It's your future with Joyce Joya. Want to know what's coming and how to prepare for it? This show is for you. Armed with this information and these insights, our host Joyce Joya will help you make better decisions both personally and professionally. Joyce will cover all the trends, from social to economic, to workforce, and more. You will have a chance to get your questions answered in a segment we call, I'm Glad You Asked. This is one show you can't afford to miss. Now on Futures Television. It's your future with Joyce Joya. Hello, and welcome to It's Your Future with Joyce Joya. I'm Rom Gaioso, co-host. We're broadcasting via Futures Television, the home of the future on television. If you're listening to the show via podcast or watching us on TV, you too can be part of the conversation. Just visit our YouTube channel, and that is IMCI Magazine, where we continue to chat about the topic of the day. You can also access this information on our website, and that is www.futurestelevision.com. So don't be shy. We transmit via Roku, the Roku app, the memory stick, or the TV sets, and via Apple TV. Don't forget to add Futures Television to your preferred list of channels using your Apple TV device. You can also listen to the show via Radio Futures, the wave of the future on radio. So today, our topic is the future of hospitality. We will discuss a few topics, and among them, trends in lodging and in restaurant industry. Let me say a few words about the show. If you have a question about what's coming and would like to find out how to prepare for it, then worry no more. Our host, Joyce Joya, will share lots of valuable information, thought-provoking ideas, and some great insight about a variety of topics, and she will cover several emerging trends. Armed with this information and these insights, you are sure to make better decisions. So without further ado, let's welcome our host, Joyce Joya, to the show. How are you doing today, guys? Doing great, Rom. It's great to be back. Wonderful to have you here. So uh, today you are going to talk a little bit about hospitality, specifically the future of hospitality. So what are some of the trends in lodging you're seeing? Yes, and before I begin, I want I just want to let people know that we're going to be talking about this topic from two different perspectives, from the perspective of the traveler, as well as the perspective of the hotelier or restaurateur. Uh, I have advice for everybody. <laughs> so let me answer your question. Some of the trends that I'm seeing in lodging are, well, the first one is that except for four and five star hotels and even sometimes four star hotels, I'm seeing housekeeping on demand, not every day. I was in Montreal in a four-star hotel in the Sofitel last week, and I had a conversation with the general manager. And he was surprised that I even asked. And he said, yes, we are doing housekeeping every day. That's it. Uh, I'm also seeing that there's more segmentation in the industry, and that is that uh, there are hotels for people with children, there are hotels for uh, young people, there are hotels for couples, <laughs> there are hotels for people who are interested in culture. The, uh, the, there are a whole slew of 
hotels that have been developed, uh, brands that have de been developed for young people. Uh, among them are Aloft from Marriott. Moxie is also, I believe, from Marriott. Cambria is from Choice Hotels, and Canopy is from Hilton. And uh, it's, it's really interesting to see what the hoteliers perceive are the wants and needs of that younger segment. And I've stayed at an Olaf hotel, and uh, it, it did not seem at that particular time, and that was in Amsterdam, uh, and I stayed in one, I believe, in Miami. And neither time did I particularly see a lot of young people there. But then again, I was rarely there during the early hours of the evening, and that's when I suspect the hotels are busiest with young people socializing. The third trend I want to talk about is that high-end luxury hotels, five-star hotels, are focusing on, on more on attention to detail and amenities like slippers and high-end health and beauty aids. They're looking for ways to really differentiate themselves. They're making sure that their concierge services are at the very highest levels. They're, they're really looking at what can they do to make sure that they attract those deep-pocketed travelers, uh, business particularly. Uh, we're also seeing a return to themed rooms. Now, some decades ago, I remember going on vacation with my uh, then husband, and we were looking at whether we would go to, whether we would book the jungle room or the space room or uh, the fantasy room. Uh, it, it, was, uh, it was really an interesting uh, group of options that we had to book in terms of staying at this particular hotel. And each of those rooms, obviously, was totally decorated differently than others. Now, interestingly, that whole idea of themed rooms is coming back. And according to Marriott's recent social listening research, there was a significant uptick year over year in the searches for themed rooms. 106% it, uh, it, it increased. Uh, for hashtag themed rooms, and also for hotel rooms plus themed, that was up by 65%. And what that suggests to us is that consumers are craving what they call more distinct and inspiring hotel experiences. I'm, I'm thinking of um, uh, more, uh, I don't know, almost more extreme hotel experiences, uh, something beyond what they've ever experienced before. And in order to test that idea further, Marriott in San Francisco and London and Bangkok is now offering one-of-a-kind, what they're calling curiosity rooms. Now, these are crafted by TED-Ed, which is the educational arm of TED, 
and most of us have heard of TED and TED Talks. Uh, I just discovered, by the way, that my TED Talk is actually on the TED website, and that's that's I'm really pleased about that. Uh, those curiosity rooms include age-based puzzles and other unexpected touches. For two nights, families can may become part of this world of curiosity where they book these particular hotels at those Marriott's. They're customized to the three destinations, including uh, puzzles that feature local landmarks and local culture and it, other aspects of the local area. The rooms also feature uh, hidden messages, families get to hunt for puzzle pieces, and when they get done with the final challenge, they receive a certificate of completion and they receive a complimentary dessert in the hotel's restaurant, which they can all enjoy together. Uh, it's, uh, it, it sounds like a, a really fun thing to do, and it makes me wish that I had small children at this time so that I could go and experience that. The industry is very much in the process of rebuilding. Uh, they're, they're experiencing severe workforce shortages and that's hampering the effort that, uh, that they're making to rebuild. And I'll, that will be a theme throughout this entire program, unfortunately, because those workforce shortages are affecting many different aspects of hospitality now and as we move into the future. Now, so what is, let's talk a little bit about the future and the role of the guest experience. So we just said, well, the rooms are gonna look different. How about the guest experience itself? Hotels have discovered that, <laughs> to use the, the title of my book, Experience Rules, <laughs> that experience the guest experience is everything. And that is that means that they're really focusing on the guest experience. They're looking at even, even the, the lower star hotels are looking at how they can provide those guest experiences so that they can delight the guests, so that the guests will choose to come back to their properties again. Uh, they're, the, the problem is that the, the previous levels of service that we as guests have become accustomed to are simply not possible with the workforce shortages. Let me give you an example. The night before we left on a 26-day trip recently, we stayed at an airport property in Austin, Texas. Uh, not only did we wait 20 minutes for someone to show up at the front desk so that we could check in, but we soon discovered that the first shuttle to the airport did not start until 8 a.m. in the morning. And most flights are before that time, or at least the people need to get to the airport before that time. Ours was actually at 8.20, so there was no way that we could take a shuttle at 8 o'clock for an 8.20 flight. The, 
the hotel staffs that are left are very concerned about the reviews that they're getting. They're trying to please the guests, but they're hampered by the fact that there just isn't enough staff. COVID was an opportunity for some of the hotels to renovate and upgrade. Many did not. Many did. And it was also an opportunity for them to upgrade their staff. The problem is that many people as a result of COVID decided that they wanted to leave hospitality. They did not want to do shift work. They did not want to work seven days a week. And as a result, they, the hotels now find themselves with reduced staffs and an inability to hire fast enough. We're also seeing a uh, continuing focus on the local culture to attract guests. Now, Renaissance hotels have known for years and they've used something called activations. Activations are, uh, their activities that focus on something local. For instance, when I stayed at the Renaissance in Times Square in New York City, they had an activation of egg creams. That's a, a type of drink in, that's very popular in New York. And they had someone in the lobby making egg creams and also making mocktails for people who uh, didn't choose to have a chocolate or vanilla egg cream. Personally, I find them wonderful and refreshing. And they actually brought in the people from Brooklyn and paid them to provide egg creams to the guests for a couple of hours in the evening. It was, it was great fun. There are all kinds of other activations taking advantage of the local culture, taking advantage of local food and drink. And the Renaissance hotels have been, have done that very successfully. Viking Cruises, which also has a hotel component, features home visits and local cultures. And whether you're on a river cruise or an ocean cruise, usually there is a shore excursion, which is either optional or or uh, offered for free, which provides a home visit at some point during the cruise. Um, we're seeing the idea of capitalizing on local culture becoming more and more important as hotels look to create unique selling propositions for themselves reasons that people want to come to that particular property and enjoy uh, being in that city, in that area at that time. Back to you, Rob. Good. So how about the restaurant industry? Well, <laughs> the biggest trend is that service has suffered. If you go to restaurants, uh, typically, the service that you enjoyed in the past is not at the same level as what you can have now. And what that is doing is it's affecting the business that restaurants can do. 
because if they can't serve so many people, they can't turn the tables as fast. Um, on the other hand, some restaurants are so short-staffed that they're losing guests. Uh, not too long ago, uh, about six weeks ago, my husband and I went to the California Pizza Kitchen in one of our malls here in Austin. And we waited for seven minutes at the desk to be seated. Well, <laughs> nobody ever came. And nobody even said, I'll be with you as soon as I can. And that, that lack of attention caused us to leave. And I just wonder how much business restaurants like California Pizza Kitchen are actually losing because they're just so short staffed. Many restaurants are closing whole areas of the restaurant because they just can't serve the same number of people that they used to be able to serve. And on the other hand, in order to create that unique selling proposition from, for themselves, upscale restaurants from Bergen to Montreal to Austin, pretty much all over the world, are, are uh, using tasting menus. And what that does is it increases the average guest tab, which is always a good thing, not only for the servers, but for the restaurant. And it's giving the guests an opportunity to taste many things. So that is that seems to be a good, if you'll pardon the pun, recipe for increasing revenue and uh, giving people an opportunity to really experience more of the taste that that restaurant can offer. Now you mentioned, you know, how much they're suffering, but is this really all due to the COVID? What, how did the COVID affect the hospitality in general and restaurant? You know, that's a, that's a really interesting question because during COVID, uh, both hotels and restaurants were literally devastated. The many hotels simply closed down for a time. Some restaurants went out of business because they just couldn't serve people uh, during lockdowns. And it, the problem was that when they decided to reopen, as I said before, some of the people decided that they didn't want to do split shifts. Split shifts are it happened in restaurants where you, uh, as a server, only work during the times uh, of meal times when the restaurant is open or when the restaurant is particularly busy. So if you're doing lunch, it would probably be like from 10 to 2 or 10 to 2.30. And then you would come back for dinner that would start, you'd be there at like 4.30 and stay until 9 or 10. And the challenge is that people just decided they did not want to live like that anymore. And there were other options for them because we have over a million, uh, 11 million open positions here in the United States. And it's not dissimilar 
uh, across the globe, actually, that uh, there are many openings for people who want to do customer service on the phone and therefore they can stay home and work. There are positions for IT if you get a, a little bit of IT knowledge. And there are many different uh, options that people have that they did not have, be, that they did not see before when they were working in restaurants and hotels. And that's part of why the uh, hospitality industry as a whole, I mean, including restaurants and hotels, are now in their rebuilding phase and having difficulties bringing people back. The solution, of course, is for them to start with students and to grow their own. So what is really the main problem that they're facing? Is this shortage of, of people? Nobody wants to work anymore? It is, sadly. Uh, I, they are facing some supply chain issues, not being able to get ingredients that they had wanted to get in the past. But the greatest challenge for them is finding and keeping experienced, qualified workers. In March, I was in a Denny's restaurant at 6.30 in the morning. I, I happened to be in charge of an event where I was feeding 30 people, and I was there to pick up a huge amount of food, uh, over, over $250 uh, this, this order would be. And I walked in, and immediately one of the servers said, um, we can't serve you, I'm sorry. And I said, I'm not here to be served, I'm here to order food. And they said, well, you can't do that either because our fry cook didn't show up. And so they sent me to a Denny's that was uh, within two miles away. And I, I was able to get the food that I needed there but at the same time, how much, again, how much business was that Denny's going to lose until they could get a fry cook to sell, right? So it's really, really an issue for all kinds of companies. And by the way, when I was in, in Europe recently and in Canada, I took pictures of the for uh, uh, hiring signs and everywhere, everywhere I went, there was a sign in the window, we're hiring. So this is a universal problem worldwide. It's a universal workforce shortage and it's affecting a lot of different aspects of the industry. Well, we can talk a little bit about the work shortage, but I think one thing that you always pointed out throughout your shows and the interviews is the need for companies to actually maintain the workforce, at least somewhat content, if not happy. And perhaps those people really are indeed tired of the shift work and, and the low wages and not being appreciated, therefore they just walk out, right? Indeed, that's, uh, that's, those are a couple of things that I'm going to talk about a little later. In the so how long do you think it's really going to take for the industry to recover until we, we have enough people so that, you know, people can be served, there are enough fry cooks in the kitchen, there are enough waiters, there are enough, you know, people at the front desk, so you don't have to wait, you know, 
10, 15 minutes or leave. Uh, and, you know, there's going to be a shelter before 8 a.m., you know, things like we would have expected uh, to be there, but they are not. So how long do you think it's going to take them to, quote, go back to normal where at least there's some amount of service that they can be proud of? Well, the short answer, Rob, is at least two years. During COVID, hospitality workers reevaluated their career choices. They decided they didn't want to work weekends and evenings. Uh, restaurant workers as well. And by the way, this industry is not alone. My dentist cannot find a dental technician or could not. For, for months, they had an, uh, an opening. Like eight months, they were looking for a dental technician because they can now get remote jobs in IT. In fact, one of his former workers mentioned to him that she's now working in IT and she's doing remote work and it pays a lot better. <laughs> and he said, she was making a lot of money working for me. I can only imagine how much money she's making in IT. So this is a, this is a, a real problem and it will be for a while to come. A couple of years. Okay, well, it's part, part of the drama, I guess. So I wanted to shift the conversation a little bit and talk about uh, technology. So, for example, what part of, you know, virtual reality you know, will play in the future of hospitality? Will we see more of that technology in the hotel rooms? Uh, not only will you be able to access virtual worlds from your hotel television. I mean, you can actually do that now if you know how to to get there. But it's it's all VR is also already being used as a marketing tool. Some websites feature uh, 3D walkthroughs so that you can experience what it's like to out of actually be in the room. And in the future, it's actually going to be a product that you can visit a place and stay at a hotel virtually and you'll be staying at that hotel in in this virtual world where you'll be able to visit all of the different sites within that city or region it very cool i mean and, and that virtual trip, that virtual, that idea of virtual travel will be an option for people who will not be able to afford to travel there literally. Okay, technology is coming to the hotel room near you. I have a different kind of question. So, you know, uh, you're named USA Today's first road warrior of the year. So know at least a little bit about travel. So uh, what advice would you give to folks who wants to travel and get the most value for their travel dollar? Okay, so first and foremost, I'm gonna go off the question and I'm gonna tell you, wear a mask in trains, buses, and planes. And the reason I'm suggesting that is that there are more variants coming. My cruise consultant, 
and his her, her husband were on a cruise and six out of the eight days they ended up having to be quarantined in cabins and not necessarily together <laughs> so it's um it's really uh, a bummer to test positive you don't want to test positive wear a mask they work all right how to save money first do your homework sites like google flights tripadvisor travel zoo then book directly with the travel provider why because it gives you more flexibility more and more issues are coming up because of weather and we want we definitely want to be able to change our plans if we need to when you book directly with the hotel chain or the airline then you have that flexibility which you will not necessarily have as much of if you book through an online travel uh, website like Expedia or uh, or one of those or orbits even like orbits or or even I, I don't think Google flights you can book directly with them but I think you can through TripAdvisor. Any, anyway, book directly with your travel provider. Number three, use incognito or private browsing windows. Airlines and hotels are keeping track and they may be increasing rates based on the fact that they know you want them. So uh, make sure that you look at it through an incognito window. That's the, the incognito windows are on the, the Chrome browser and private browsing, I believe, is either on Safari or Firefox. Uh, but in any case, they all have these abilities to hide your identity. And you should definitely do that beginning the second time you go back to a site for airlines or hotels. Number four, get off the beaten path. Use your time to explore the rarely visited places on the planet. I always do that and I always learn when I'm able to do that. Okay, well, uh, let's change the perspective now. So you gave advice uh, for people who want to save some money. Now, what kind of advice do you give to the hoteliers and restauranteurs over there? As I have suggested before in some of our other, our other shows, ha, uh, conduct state interviews. And hospitality leaders should not do it themselves. They need to either hire a local consultant or use someone who will get a, a an objective reading from the workforce. Find out what the dissatisfiers are before you lose more employees. It's worth it. Make that investment. You also want to know what people like most about working for you. So you can not only take care of the things that they like least, but also make sure that you have an opportunity to amplify the things that they like most. And if you don't ask, you will never know. Number two, find out how you sourced your best employees and go back to that source 
for more. Given that they're your best employees, they're probably your most long-tenured employees, there are certain characteristics that they have. When you go back to the same place where you found them, you are more likely to get employees who have those characteristics. The next one, read on board your people. Uh, when people are first brought on, they are onboarded. We have an orientation for them. Understand that we are in a different time. As you bring more and more people back to the workplace, you need to provide that reorientation. And even if you're a hotelier who has had uh, a consistent uh, service to guests, it, it really makes a difference when you reorient people and bring them up to date on the, all the benefits that you offer. Make sure that they understand the contribution that they provide. If you need more help on that, you can contact me through LinkedIn at Joyce Joya, or perhaps there's a way through our website to find me. Uh, number, and finally, and this is not least by any means, make sure that your people feel appreciated and that you are paying your people a fair wage. Ensure even that your contractors are being paid fairly because that consistency of service through uh, of your contingent workers will make a difference in terms of your revenue and your bottom line. It's, it, I, we've really covered a lot today, haven't we? Yes, we did. We discussed a lot of important trends in hospitality, and we talked about some uh, some great strategies. You know, Joyce, this has been such a great conversation. Thank you so very much. Thank you, Ron. It's been great to be with you again. Yes, wonderful to see you back. Thank you. And folks, thank you so much for joining us today. We hope you learned something about the future of hospitality. Please share your comments uh, with us. And then I want to say a few words about the next show. It's going to be the future of supply chain, where we will discuss why are my supermarket shelves still empty, go over some implications for consumers and for producers. And of course, we're going to hear Joyce's perspectives on the future of supply chain. So again, folks, it's time uh, for us to start saying our uh, thank yous. Uh, so again, thank you so very much for your being here with Joyce and I. Remember. If you're watching this show on Futures Television as a podcast or as a recorded event in one of the social media platforms, you too can be part of the conversation. Watch for the links on this video so you can continue to listen and to participate in the conversation via our YouTube channel. Again, I hope to see you soon on another episode of It's Your Future with Joyce Joya. Thank you so very much. I'm going to leave you with our institutional message. See you next time. It's your future with Joyce Joya. Want to know what's coming and how to prepare for it? This show is for you. Armed with this information and these insights, our host Joyce Joya will help you make better decisions both personally and professionally. Joyce will cover all the trends, from social to economic, to workforce, and more. You will have a chance to get your questions answered in a segment we call, I'm Glad You Asked. This is one show you can't afford to miss.
now on Futures Television. It's your future with Joyce Joya.